Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. listening to the Cricket Podcast. I think it was a disgraceful performance and I think it should never be permitted to happen again. That is very good. Hello everyone and welcome to the Cricket Podcast where this week we will be taking a look back at the test series that just was between India and and England. Uh, England, of course, ended up on the end of a 3-1 battering, but there was, there was a little bit more to it. There's a few stories, uh, and um, you know, we'll be getting to the bottom of all of those. Then, in part two of the show, we'll be looking forward to the five-match T20 series between the two same teams. I'm Jack Hope, and as usual, I'm joined by Ross Legg. How are you doing, Ross, in your DC United shirt? Yeah, marvellous, thank you. I'm, I'm ready and ready to go. If there was a football to happen or cricket to happen right now, I'm dressed and ready. <laughs> and uh, Max Rowe-Brown, how are you doing, Max Rowe-Brown? Yeah, very good. Glad we've uh, got the uh, thumpings out of the way and now we can look forward to some brighter <laughs> pastures. <laughs> yeah, um, thanks for the happy birthday wishes, boys, by the way. Uh, just gonna, gonna oh, drop oh, is it, it. oh, is it your birthday? Oh, right good, happy birthday. Happy, uh, happy birthday. <laughs> Why are you podcasting on your birthday? Well, there's nothing else to do, is there? That's love for your listeners. That's what it is. That is is beautiful to see. Happy birthday, Jack. Cheers. Um, Lads, you know, to kick off the show with with our traditional first question of the week, um, I've taken a little bit of inspiration from the actual news. Uh, Now, now going into this India v England series, we thought that that was big. But tonight, on Channel 3 in the UK, something properly big is going to go down. Uh, I'm, of course, referring to Oprah Winfrey's interview of Harry and Meghan. So with that in mind, and with a cricket twist, Ross, in a test series between Team Harry and Meghan and Team Queen, who do you think would win? Uh, well, one, I'm not a massive fan of the Royals, so this question to me is a bit of a... I don't know why you're asking <laughs> it, and I can't imagine how many people listening to us actually like the Royals either, but um, I reckon Team Queen is going to win. Um and I think it's because she's shown longevity. She has shown that she can go through a, ter- like a really difficult innings, um, but she can last a long time. I reckon her nickname would be the Wall. I think she's I think she's good in that uh, in that in that regard. And I reckon she can weather a storm of hostile bowling. Um, bowling wise, I also think her team would be full of those old bloke Sunday League grenades oh. that you get. So literally, they come up and whoa, delivering them on the spot all the time. A young. Harry and uh, Meghan Markle have they, have team. Have they got a batting lineup full of Ross legs? 
Yeah, oh, they're, they're they're getting out every single time to that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, they're they're definitely going to ravage the uh, keen younger team. I think. Um, that's a good answer, Ross. I, I like that. I, I do think, yeah, Prince Charles probably can bowl something approaching an off break, um, which 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 I I imagine would worry someone like Meghan Markle with her. Uh, I assume primarily baseball style approach to to the sport of cricket. Um, Max, same question to you. Uh, are you Team Queen or Team Harry and Meghan? Uh, I, I also believe Team Queen would, would win this particular matchup, but for slightly different reasons. So um, <laughs> Team Queen is basically, you know, the, they, have, they have the power. They've, they've been the institution for the last 50 years. They're, you know, I think they're like uh, the key, the core members of the ICC, you know. They 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 hold all the cards, and Harry and Meghan they're like the the new guys on the block. You know, they they they're new to the game. Basically, it's like India playing away, um, Ireland playing away in India, on really heavily turning pitches, and it would it would just be an absolute mauling. That's um, it's interesting that you managed to bring Ireland into a question about the Queen, um, but we'll <laughs> we'll we'll let that slide through to the keeper. Um, <laughs> I I have gone. It's the hat trick of Team Queen. Um, oh, it's really? Yeah. I thought I thought you were going to be. I thought you were being for the, the, the progressive cricket fan there, of going like, no, new format, ch- ch- change the location. Well, maybe in a new, maybe in a new format, uh, I can I can see Team Harry and Meghan doing something. Um, but in a Test match, no. From a fundamental starting point here, you've got the issue of player numbers. Um, so Team Queen has got like a whole household staff to draw up on. She's definitely going to be able to field eleven. Team Harry and Meghan, that's only two people, which which is a problem. Um, <laughs> I also think the Queen, yeah, is a bit of a street fighter. Uh, okay. I, I, and I think the Queen would be also, that she'd be happy to get one of her lackeys to like file one side of the ball. Yeah. So take the kind of Commonwealth approach of the Australians and yeah. kind of go, do you know what? That was a, that was a tactic born of, of British ingenuity. Yeah, uh, and the final point, of course, is that the press are all on the Queen's side, which means Team Harry and Meghan are just going to get. I mean, like the British press when it comes to sport, and I, we probably might we might talk about it with with reference to the the actual England side here. They're not they're not necessarily the kindest people. You add Harry and Meghan into into that mix, and um, there's there's going to be some serious vitriol, and I, I don't think anyone would be really up to up to it. Um, there we go. Hat trick for Team Queen. Ross, any any messages for the listeners? <laughs> Uh, if you're still listening, you should like and subscribe uh, on our YouTube channel and follow us at The Cricket Pod on Instagram and Twitter and any podcast platform that you are listening to us on. Uh, that's, a, that's a good message. Let's take a quick break and then we will come back with a recap of the Test Series. I can't wait to get you to the Gabrash. Tell you what. Can't wait to get you to the Gabarash. I'll tell you what. Woo! Woo! It's ball. It's down the ground. It'll be at least one. Sadie has got an injury with the groin. It goes as far as the fence. India incredible. Richard Park is the star. India win the test. Yeah, so the test series then. Uh, it started with one of the all-time highs, or one of the recent highs for English cricket, with that victory in Chennai. Um, and then it ended with uh, 74 consecutive partnerships of 50 or fewer. In fact, no, fewer than 50. Um, 
if the, I mean, it, it, it would be a pretty short uh, and pretty steep roller coaster, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> What's that, that one? Uh, um, is it uh, Nemesis, the one at Alton Towers, where you just go up to the top and then just drop yeah. vertically? I, I yeah, know, I know that, exactly the one you mean. I don't think it's yeah. that, uh, but it's it's. Uh, I think there's there's a Superman one like that in uh, in America. Um, yeah, you know, we all know what we've got in mind here. Uh, like England, I think they'll probably be a bit disappointed to have sunk the way they did. India will no doubt be thrilled uh, that they took that series three one and um, and really fought back in the, in the in the final three tests. Ross, what did we learn from this series? So, so I think there's a there's a lot of negativity around um, the tour, and I think uh, if you look back. And before we were predicting there was going to be like a four 0 whitewash, England were going to be kind of battered every single game. Um, do you think that possibly England actually overachieved in this Test series? So, right. So I I thought about this, and I and I'm, I looked at this question from the point of view of who will be happier. Uh, and I think England, as you say, Ross, had they been offered three one prior to the series, they might actually have. Um, taken that, considering particularly like India's dominance at home. And I, and I think on the flip side, I think Virat Kohli would be upset or would have been upset to hear that his team were about to lose a test. And so the thing is, though, that the, 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 the conclusion of the series with the, with the absolute hammering that England took in the, in the, in the final three matches, um, I'm not so sure now whether England will think that they have overachieved, uh, mm. and, and on the on the on the flip side again, uh, I think at this point Virat Kohli is probably pretty happy with how his side played in the final three matches of the series. So, whilst I do think that England winning a test in India is um, a great achievement, the fact that they got beaten so horrifically in the next three matches basically takes away anything positive that you 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 could have moved forward with from that win in Chennai. Yeah, I, th- I think when England fans are celebrating, ironically, that we've gone past 200 runs, <laughs> it's kind of a, a, bit, a, bit of, bit of a bit of a show on that one. Uh, Max, I'll come to you first with a, with a proper question. So uh, the Winter Tours have seen England's leadership both admired for some of the rotation policy and um, valuing mental health of their players, etc., and chastised by the very same people who were saying mm. this is good for cricket. Um, strategically... What do you think England could have done better? Well, it's uh, firstly, it's amazing, isn't it? How um, the change, well, results can just change the the landscape of what people have to say about uh, the same thing. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's a classic example of uh, rewriting the narrative, but um, you know that, that's that's what happens in uh, in English media. Um, to answer your actual question, I think, to be honest, from my point of view, the um, the the rotation policy was. The right thing to do, I think it's the selection where it all went wrong, and we were in this sort of weird cycle where it looked like England were picking the team for the previous test, <laughs> or just second or second guessing themselves. You know, once we once we got it so horribly wrong in that uh, spinning track at Ahmedabad with the pink ball, uh, they just they kind of lost the plot, didn't they? And and tried to second guess what India were doing, and I think the just the sensible thing would be to look at who your players are who you think your best team is and stick to the basics and go with it you know it it worked in the in the first test it all went wrong in the second test but then it just the the thinking got muddled and um we we were guilty of it too we were saying oh yeah just go for it like it's your best shot of winning the test but actually (laughs) 
you know, what we'd seen is two games. One game where England won comfortably and one game where they lost badly. And, and we're also 5,000 miles away. Chris Silverwood and Joe Root could literally go out yeah, and go, they are actually oh, there. that's probably going to turn that pitch, isn't it? Yeah, so I, I, yeah, we, we fell for the same trick, but I think mm-hmm. just a little bit more level-headedness would have gone a long way. Yeah, I think they, uh, any PR or communication firms out there have also got a pretty easy pitch to the, to the ECB. Uh, <laughs> Jack, what, what about you? What do you think on that front? Right, so my, my general view on England's leadership and, and kind of, in a sense, the way England played um, on this tour is that we're really talking about margins of victory in the final three tests. Um, I think, had every single pitch been like the first one in Chennai, um, i.e. a road for, for like four and a half or four, four yeah. days. Not, it was only like, not a great pitch in itself. <laughs> no, then I think England would have had a chance to maybe draw that series to all. Um, and I think it would have been like a straight bat off. And I, I, and I think in a straight bat off, um, this India side didn't perform the way we sort of thought, thought they would with the bat. Um, on the pitches that we did play on though, this England team was just not equipped to deal with uh, the ability of Ravichandran Ashwin and the the, the the ability of Akshar Patel, um, and and there's not really a way you can strategize your way out of that fundamental skill difference. Mm-hmm. So so. I think what England did do well, so let's, let's, we kind of talk about all the time what England do wrong, but actually what <laughs> they did do well was that I thought they looked like they had a bowling plan. For when they picked the right bowlers, they looked like they were bowling to a plan. And actually, it worked, right? The, the India top order didn't actually fire compared to Rohit. They, they clearly had an approach. They just didn't seem to have enough runs to play with um, to actually make it competitive. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably fair. Um, I, I, I think... If you look at look at who came out of this series with like positive marks from an England perspective, really it's sort of Joe Root um, and and Jack Leach and and like Joe Root obviously. I would, I would throw century. Jimmy Anderson in there as well. Oh uh, yeah, I know you probably get Anderson Anderson in there as well. But I mean, I don't know if Anderson like, has come out. I already thought Anderson was good. Did I yeah. think that that Leach would? take 18 wickets across the series at like under 30. If you look at how other bowlers from 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 uh, visiting teams have done in India. No, I didn't think that. Did I think that Root would continue his form with the bat? Yeah, maybe. Did I think he'd be the threat he was with the ball? Um, <laughs> no, I didn't. And Absolutely, I think, yes. <laughs> I think you, you have to give credit to, to both of those, those players there. And I think you're right, Ross. Like England, generally speaking, with the ball in hand, um, were not too bad. Um, mm-hmm. aside from when they had to bowl at Rohit and aside from when the wheels really fell off in that last test and they, and they ran out of bowlers um, but the batting yeah like this is it's, it's you can't you can't get round the, the issue that not really any of these players um, were have the game to score with any any anything like a low level of risk against Ashwin and Akshar Mm-hmm. And what I, what I thought as well, when it comes to tactically, they, they obviously managed the youngsters relatively poorly. I thought from the England front, the, we talked about it on the Daily Show um, with their uh, management of Ollie Pope. Don Best was clearly kind of just hung out to dry. Um, but if you look at, at most of the England teams, so Sibley, Crawley, Burns, um, Ollie Stone, like even Joffrey Archer to a certain extent, they're all inexperienced test cricketers, and it kind of it, it showed actually quite a lot throughout the throughout the whole series. Yeah, in in a sense though, 
like you can't wish someone more experienced. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that isn't that isn't something. So you do have to go through these processes. I I think it's a talent issue. Like overall, though, um, I okay. like Dan Dan Weston on our last show sort of talked a little bit about whether England had selected the right players or picking the right team or properly evaluating players in terms of what they can contribute with bat and ball. I think there's something in that. Um, I think there are broader issues in terms of th- well, things like the selection of Bairstow. Let's just put a name on it. Um, <laughs> like what, what do you think you're going to get out of Johnny Bairstow? Um, and, and so that, uh, from, from an England perspective, I, I think that's sort of where things are disappointing. You can't, you can't really blame... Um, Crawley or Sibley or Pope uh, even for for their batting failure uh, in those conditions because they haven't really ever played there. Um, there's questions around like whether they should have or, or whether they should have been exposed in the way that they were. And I'm thinking particularly around Pope here coming back from an injury to be put in the mm. team and, and then not taken out of the team um, when it looked like he, he was basically... An hors d'oeuvre for <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a that's a classic England kind of tough love kind of approach. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I think I think that's where the, some of the strategic stuff comes in. And um, but like again, I'll but go I mean, back what, to the point. What are the other options though? That's that's what you have to have to think about. Like we, yeah, we uh, the young players were in a tough position and very inexperienced, but. Like you said, uh, Johnny Bairstow was perhaps the experienced head that England plumped for to try and answer that question because he can supposedly uh, play spin. But and, he shouldn't but, have know. been. Is the, is the point? I think. I mean, like that's why that he shouldn't have been in the team. Um, uh, I I think sort of beyond that, it's it's some of the ways England tried to construct a coherent Test team with the players they had available didn't really make sense either. Like playing eight batters who averaged 10. Um, oh, no, sorry. Play, playing four batters who averaged 10 in that, in that, in that uh, day-night test. Yeah. It, was that the greatest idea when you know the top seven isn't like an elite top seven? Would, would you maybe... <laughs> and then winning the, winning the toss and then bowling. Like, well, what yeah, are you thinking about? There's, there's, there's some things like that. In the, in the final test, again, like why have you got... Why, why, is, um, why have you got a specialist batsman batting at seven... And not enough bowling. Like, why have you only got one seamer? Um, it, it, it. I think it, it's questions around that that I think um, would have affected the margin of, of, of defeat. But, but like, yeah, you're not. I don't think you can you can rotate or strategize or think your way out of the reality that yeah. is these batters in these conditions are not good enough against Ashwin and Akshar. Yeah. That's completely fair enough. So, so Max, so the so the way of solving this falls on your shoulders. I oh, think, excellent! <laughs> uh, what, how how much am I getting paid for this? <laughs> so, Eng- England need to be slightly better with the bat against the spinning ball. They D- do. Just slightly better. <laughs> they do. Um, yeah. Uh, any ideas how England could actually improve? Uh, I've got a, a couple a couple of ideas. Um, I think one of them we may have discussed very briefly. Oh. Excuse me. Sorry, just knocking my <laughs> microphone all over the place. Uh, one we might have discussed briefly uh, in a previous uh, show, which was um, the, around the the sort of A team setup and the and getting sort of some more tours in the in the subcontinent for players who you know that in the England Lions team that we think might be the future of uh, of English cricket and actually exposing them to those conditions and you know not maybe don't even have home tours. What's the point in having a, a 
a home tour against those those teams mm. um and uh just concentrating on getting whatever you can out of a games in uh, in India and in Australia and um, and perhaps uh, the West Indies as well if they um, return to the force of Test cricket that uh, that they once were, and um, and the other thing was it's just sort of a a, a side note of something I a, a video I saw from I think it was from a few years ago where Australia had put in some uh, synthetic pitch at their national training academy which was intended to mimic uh, spinning pitches in the subcontinent and uh, they had a little like chat with Nathan Lyon and he was talking about how it sort of was kind of like a third fourth day pitch in India and um, getting people practicing on that because obviously when you're in the nets at at home it's uh or, you know, if it's, it's, it's if it's here. an indoor yeah. net, it's uh, yeah, it's not really going to be representative of most uh, most forms of cricket you're going to play. So that's the kind of perhaps innovation that um, we should be we should be looking to, which might give people a, a bit more experience. Obviously, you can't recreate playing on those pitches against Ashwin just by building a, a fake pitch in uh, in uh, in somewhere somewhere uh, fancy, but. You know, it's a it's a step, and it's the kind of thing that might give people a little bit more experience because you know we we saw people Jack Leach bowled well on the on those Indian pitches, and we've you know had pretty good spinners in the past, so there's nothing to say that it wouldn't be a good sort of grounding for for people in the absence of getting them on a Lions tour. I think if you want to look at the the batting side of things, um, so again to go back to Dan's point from the last show, probably like pick batters who have like a, a strong proven track record in in the county championship um because they're is that, is that against everything jack though or is it against specialists so actually but no so i don't know? think so again i i i've i've talked about this before i think you hmm. pick the better cricketer because the better cricketer got, got good at cricket by adapting to things um yep. and they have they probably got a thought process or like a rough game plan that that means that they are able to improve and that or and that is something that you have to do when you step up to test level because it is harder um now you what you when you pick someone to play in your test team what you want is them to have the best possible chance of making that step up and making those improvements so you want to pick people who have proven themselves at the lower level and I, i think Dan made some pretty good points about england maybe not doing that so Look at some other players. Um, I talked to Dan after the show because a couple of people were like, "Well, who who would who would you specifically talk about?" And and Dan said, "Well, basically, England should be always pretty much always be picking Wokes because the top seven is pretty weak, and you having that batting option a little bit lower down the order is is really useful." And he also says someone like Sam Northeast consistently produces at the lower level. Why has he not um, been picked? Whilst England are effectively taking punts on. Yeah. On other players, so so you need to do that. Um, I I think there is there are two other things that I'd speculate might be a problem. Um, one is where the modern day English batter comes from, and that generally speaking is the private school system in the UK. I was going to say um, Whitgift. <laughs> yeah, well, no, and now that is uh, a system which is able to produce good cricketers uh players who are capable of playing first class cricket and have a game that probably looks quite orthodox um and probably will lead to them generating runs in the right conditions um what i sort of wonder though is like what is your exposure if that's the route you come up in cricket what is your exposure to any wickets which are not good um and 
versus somebody who maybe comes up through club cricket in in the UK where you do play on wickets that are not good and you do have to work out how you might score runs in those situations because we're talking we're talking like like the 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 wickets that are produced at some private schools would be test standard basically <laughs> like it's, they have full-time groundsmen with like I, I i know i know one of these guys who is a full-time groundsman they have a weather radar at his school so that they they know like when the can rain we, can we get coming, a game I mean, it's, there it's it's it, it's preposterous um, and so I, I do sort of wonder, like maybe England need to be a little bit more innovative in terms of where the pathways into the professional game uh, or, or how they are built, so that you get batters with slightly different experiences, and 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 you're recruiting from like a wider body of people instead of this very linear, very kind of carbon copy uh, approach to producing batters that we have at the moment. Now, if you look at if you look at the bowlers, that is uh, my understanding is that that Leach is uh, effectively went to a comprehensive school and Anderson went to a comprehensive school, um, and they have slightly unusual ways of going about things from from um, an English perspective. And and those those um, I don't know slightly rarer skills or slightly self developed skills can be enormously effective in a professional environment where everyone is taught to do it a certain way does that that's quite a long-winded approach and it's probably fairly speculative to be quite honest but maybe that's where England need to look if if you actually are serious about playing or or, or, uh, if you are serious about competing with India because you can't recruit from four percent of your population it's it's mental I mean it really it doesn't you can if your population is over a billion well, no, <laughs> but in India, that's not there. Are, there are India. There are players in that India team who there are some who are who come from quite wealthy backgrounds. Uh, I think Ashwin would be one. And there are players, and we talked about Mohammed Siraj um, on, on our previous show, who who don't, uh, or on our in the Australia series, we talked about his background, mm. who, who don't, right. um, and that you know that is going to have an impact on the kind of cricketers that make it as a professional and the probably the relative talent level of the, of those people. Um, the the final thing I'd say is that if England go and play on test pitches like the second and third, for like they did for the second and third test, it's really unlikely they will ever win because those conditions were so extreme to an English batter that it, it's just unrealistic for them to ever have the experience mm-hmm. to to compete with batters who do have experience on, on those wickets yeah, and, and also some of the, the best players in like yeah you get what I mean some of the best bowlers yeah so yeah because we well, saw it last time we went and we won there right in terms of uh, the like we had some of the best probably had the best England team of all time um, kind of with some of the best players of spin in that team as well as two of England's best ever spin bowlers lined up if uh, if you're coming up against Monty Panesar and Graham Swan in their pump in compared to uh Leach and Bess, no disrespect to Leach and Bess, it's a different ball game. Uh, so let's let's talk about India. So they have proved rather handy in their own conditions, um, with great <laughs> That's bowling a shock. depth. Um, <laughs> Yeah, considerable bowling depth, um, but batting-wise, their top order didn't fire quite as expected, um, b- besides um, Rohit Sharma. Um, Max, is that a cause for concern um, and potentially an area of change ahead of their summer in England? Um I think it's. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a concern yet. It's definitely worth keeping uh, an eye on. 
But what we've seen that there's some of the people in that side who underperformed. Uh, I'm thinking Pajara and to a certain extent Coley, who didn't um, didn't do that well. We've seen them before do very very well in England, and mm-hmm. uh, which is obviously where they're where they're going next. So I wouldn't be hitting the panic button quite yet about the Ind- Indian top order. And I think um, the English yeah the English bowling lineup did pretty well like you said they bowled the plans and that that helped um kind of keep that indian top order order at bay uh rohit sharma aside but i i mean i just yeah i don't think it's any time to be like switching things around moving things around obviously there are questions about uh rahane some people have suggested that maybe he um could drop out because he's not had uh, a brilliant series but then again not so long ago we were talking about how well he did in in australia so I yeah, when you've just won a series three one and and you've won it comprehensively, there's there's no reason to go around making changes like that. And uh, I I think especially bearing in mind the the kind of players that are in that Indian top order and mm-hmm. the caliber that they have and the experience they have and what we know about them, I would not be concerned about them uh, in their in their next few games at all. And uh, on top of that, you're bringing in like brought in people like um, Washington Sundar lower in the order who has turned out. You know, it's the start of his batting uh, career in in tests has been phenomenal, really. I mean, obviously he was brought in as a as an extra bowler, but by all accounts he looks like he could play as a batsman. So, mm-hmm. if anything, uh, you could argue that there uh, there are good signs ahead. Fair yeah. enough. Uh, go on, Jack. Well, I was going to say I, I sort of double down on what Max said. I uh, I think some of the so I don't think India underperformed that m- seriously. With the bat on on because you were playing. I mean, we played on wickets the where I mean, what what one test was over in two days. One day <laughs> one test was over well within three days. One test I think just made it into the fourth day, um, and that tells you that these aren't roads. Like your your runs are going to be pretty hard to earn um, on pitches that where where test matches end that quickly, um, and so. I, you know, like some of their scores, they don't, they're not 500 or something like that. But if you're putting up 250 uh, or even 200, um, you've actually performed quite well. So I, mm-hmm. I, 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 like, yeah, they, they'd like to have. The weighted gosh, average is higher. The weighted average is higher, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, everyone knows the only person you could, the only people you can possibly blame for Pajara's bad run of form is CSK uh, for picking him <laughs> up and uh, muddying his brain. Uh, uh, what, I, what I do, I'm going to start to get used to, is that Coley's expressions when he gets out, he's always surprised that you could possibly be out. Coley, you've been out for so many times in the last 12 months, mate. You're going to have to kind of get used to that, I think. Uh, Anyway, um, the Indian selectors have got themselves quite the selection headache uh, on the bowling front. Um, Max, um, Mm spin-wise, they've got a choice of Sundar, Axar, Jadeja and Ashwin. Um, Coldy, Yadav, if they fancy it. Um, um, Nadim, if they fancy uh, a bit of a joke selection. Um, Say in England they decide to pick two because of the batting and how good they are at bowling. Is Jadeja get back into the side, or has Sundar and Axar done enough? Uh, for me, Jadeja, I would say, would have to come in just because he's so much more experienced and an all-round quality player, and obviously bowls left-arm finger spin, and they're playing England. Uh, Axar, I can see Axar becoming a sort of uh, the kind of bowler who plays for India in India and does really well and doesn't play much overseas like almost like chris wokes from from an england point of view is turning turning into um because 
I think you know it's just that the speed that he bowls at and the way that that either the ball gripping and turning or, or going on is so much uh, can be so devastating in in uh, on Indian pitches. Whereas bowling like that on an English pitch, you might not get that uh, you know uh, raging turning delivery that puts that doubt in the batsman's mind. Mm. So. That's, uh, I mean, that's that. That's where I would stand on Axar versus Jadeja. I would be going for Jadeja, but Washington Sundar does, uh, I think, throw up a question if you wanted to to bolster the batting. I mean, Jadeja is an excellent batsman, but in in sort of future tours, uh, I would he would be worth thinking at. But while Ashwin is still around as the off spin option, there's no point in picking two off spinners. If you Ashwin will me. play to like he's sixty, he'll torment everyone to <laughs> I mean, like sixty. He, he certainly, he certainly could. I don't. I've, I've seen. I've seen no evidence that his uh, particular style of cricket would uh, be hugely, um, <laughs> hugely hampered by being sixty. Uh, Jack, in terms of the pace bowling front, they've got uh, another battery of uh, different selection options. Uh, Bumrah, Shami, uh, Ishan, Umesh, Siraj, Natarajan, even um, Thakur, Saini, and Hardik Pandya. I mean, that's a pretty good set of bowlers to have at your disposal. Um, what, what, who do you think is kind of at the top of the queue there, or the front of the well, queue? Well, I mean, I think Bumrah is maybe the best fast bowler in the world, so he's number one. Um, and then Ishant Sharma. I don't really see why you'd move away from Ishant Sharma. Um, mm-hmm. He didn't bowl an awful lot in this series because... Um, he didn't the, need to. Of the surfaces, yeah. Um, but I think while he is still young enough and still fit enough to play, then obviously those two come next. Um, what I will say is that every time you see Siraj bowl, or every time I see Siraj bowl, I am he more looks, impressed. He looks in, aces, doesn't he? In in Test cricket, so uh, it's possible that he'll muscle his way in um, it, 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 as the kind of second seamer after Bumrah, but um, maybe, maybe not quite there yet. I like I don't know if you've not been paying attention. India have got lots of depth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they are they're pretty good. Um, it seems there's like a whole branch or a whole um, sector within cricket of people who seem to make a living by pointing out really obvious stuff in kind of a <laughs> creative way. I like so like. Um, Oh, Aksha Patel's good. Uh, or Rohit Sharma's really good in India was the one that I saw this week. And it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> we've actually all seen that. Um, and, and it's I a think, really hot take. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, like asking some of these questions, it's another, it's another one. It's like, you could basically pick any of these guys and they probably do the job. I mean, we, we saw that happen in Australia. Um and then, then obviously Jadeja hasn't been around for this series and, and people maybe thought that would make a difference, but they found someone possibly even more lethal, uh, at, least <laughs> against, at least against England. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think India will be, will be good for a while yet, won't they? Yeah, I don't think that that uh, it's just going to burn out anytime soon. <laughs> Perhaps uh, we'll be uh, sitting here in not too long discussing the BCCI's rotation policy and whether that's uh, whether whether that's I reckon, acceptable. I, I reckon India could probably field two teams that would be in the top five test teams in the world at the moment. Um, they might struggle a little bit on the batting front there. Uh, but, It'd be entertaining, though, wouldn't it? But, because yeah. imagine some of the people they'd pick out to put in that team. And we'll come on to those in the T20 preview. Um, so let's. Uh, we've talked about England. We've talked about India. Uh, there is some lessons to be learned from this test series for the BCCI and the ICC um, that we should quickly cover. 
And uh, this will no doubt go down brilliantly in YouTube <laughs> comments. Um, but if there has to be neutral umpires, then consistency and transparency of process is required. Is that, is that fair, Max? Do, do you mean not neutral umpires? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that's exactly umpires. what I mean. Yeah. Well, yeah. well partisan biased umpires. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, no, uh, non-neutral umpires. There needs to be consistency, consistency and transparency of process. That's fair enough, isn't it? Oh, it's fair enough. I don't think. Perhaps you don't even need to mention the the nationality of the umpire in that point. I just think generally no, it's better agree. to have a very, very clear uh, process <laughs> of what's supposed to be done, especially when everyone can hear. Like, you know, it's it's still relatively novel as a as a thing, you know, DRS and all that. And uh, when you can when you can hear everything the umpire says and you can see for yourself the replay and that it's not being done properly then it gets like uh, a whole a whole lot worse it's one thing seeing an umpire give a decision and go well that looks like a bit of a dodgy decision and they show it on the replay and you're like oh well yeah that was a poor decision but you know it's tough yeah you're doing it in real time it's it's a tough gig when Mm -hmm. it's when you have all the tools in front of you to get it right and you don't get it right that's where that's where questions come asked and i I won't bring football into it but because I don't, I don't need to. But it's 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 that kind of it's that kind of farce, farce at times. So just, I mean, just in general, make sure everyone who does it is properly properly trained and knows what they're doing. Uh, and Jack, in terms of um, using the pink ball, so the day night test is, I think, is a good idea. You're trying to get more crowds in, etc. Um, but if you're going to use the pink ball, you should at least use the minimum requirements um, by the old specifications, shouldn't you? In terms of um, pitch, uh, the pitches that are going to be used, the grass length. Well, we'll get... that depends on whether you you're India and you really want to win, um, because this sort of goes back to the 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 point about England's batters never being able to go to these conditions and winning. The, mm. the, the the in a word, yes, you are exactly what you said is right, um, and there you go uh, we, we went, we've been into the pitches for so on, so on, on like three or four other episodes oh, just, but people love it, it people love it so what, <laughs> okay. like, what, 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 what is left to say like I, I, I would like we've, it we've been through it all haven't we <laughs> I thought so just on that though I thought the pitch for the third test was fantastic it brought everyone into the game it, you mean the fourth test the fourth test yeah it exposed yeah. it eventually it exposed England's strategic errors and and it uh, provided a platform for Rishabh Pant and Washington Sundar to take the game away from England at the moment, or when when the the game was at, or at the most critical moment in the game. Um, it meant that fast bowlers could take wickets. It meant the spinners could take wickets. Uh, you know, like I thought that was the perfect pitch. I just wish all the all the matches had been played on it because the cricket, particularly on day two, was so good in, in, mm. in that test, and we just didn't really get that in yeah. in Test two and three, and and even yeah. Test one, it was a bit too. Um, easy to bat in Test One and Test Two and Three. It was way too hard to bat. <laughs> <laughs> India, so India were going to win. India were going to India were going to win anyway. Uh, anyway, they have secured their place in the World Test Championship final, where they'll be playing at Southampton at the uh, Hampshire. Rose Bowl or whatever the sponsor has taken over a, the naming rights. Still a GS Bowl. A GS Bowl. There we go, Max. Um, review of the predictions then. Jack, you went with four 0 Max, I believe you went with three one to did. India. And uh, I went with 2-1. So my uh, hot streak is over. And Max, you are now the reigning champ of predictions. Oh, thank you um, very much. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to go through who we thought was going to be um, best uh, wicket taker because it was obviously all of us said Ashwin. And uh, lo and behold, it was Ashwin. I think I said uh, Axar as a kind of joke. <laughs> well, um, uh, the fact that I was <laughs> nearly <laughs> right is, uh, is a little concerning for England as, as batsmen. Uh, 
So let's go to um, player of the series because uh, it could quite possibly be either of those people. So for me, it just has to be Ashwin. We, I think I've waxed lyrical about him nearly every single podcast we've done recently, just the mastery of that bloke. And the fact that he then got a century to prove Jack wrong around oh shit with the <laughs> bat, bat was, it was excellent. Uh, Jack, who is your player of the series? Um, so I, I think probably Rohit Sharma. Um, okay. So he scored 345 runs across uh, the series. Not quite as many as Joe Root, um, but he did bat two fewer times. Uh, I think in the second test, his 160 basically automatically won the game for, for India by mm-hmm. T on, on day one. Um, in the third test, he scored some key runs. And then in the fourth test, he would he get 49 off about 150 balls. Um, and basically what he did was tire Anderson and Stokes out. So that they couldn't really bowl anymore. And he set up or he created the conditions for, for Rishabh Pant to, to, to come in a little bit later on. So, look, I mean, Ashwin's Ashwin, what did he take? 30 wickets and scored a century. Um, I think that's the first time anyone's ever done that. AXA, 27 wickets in three tests. Yeah, that's pretty good. But in a series where batting was really hard, I'm going to go with a batter who conquered the conditions and say Sharma. Brilliant. Uh, Max? Uh, yeah, that's that's fair enough. I was trying to think of someone to say that's not Ashwin, just because I wanted to be a bit different. But now Ross, uh, now Jack's done it. I'm going to say Ashwin. I can't, I, I can't look past the uh, the overall the all round performance. Really, he just showed us why he is the master. He was the well, official well, winner as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go to a moment of the series, which is a little bit um, a little bit more personal. Um, my moment of the series has to be Pant reverse scooping Jimmy Anderson over the slips like that was just I'd, I'd never seen anything like that before and just the brazenness of it was incredible and uh, long live Rishabh Pant who's definitely cemented <laughs> his place in that test team for the foreseeable future uh, Jack um, so I have three I won't go into them in detail Brute being hit in the nuts by Coley um, <laughs> in the last test was really funny um, <laughs> Anderson's magic over in way back in Test One with the the big reverse swing in swingers, um, mm-hmm. great cricket. Uh, and Coley being bold and not walking um, was, <laughs> was, was was peak Coley really. So that, that, that's why I enjoyed. Uh, Max, uh, mine mine has to go to the uh, newly dubbed uh, Johnny Pesto for <laughs> arriving at the crease, being given out first ball, reviewing it successfully to then be out the next ball. I think that passage of play of England, of Joe Root getting five for eight, and England being like, we're right back in this, and then the inevitability of England being naught for two inside the first over. Un- of universes were born in the space of minutes. It was a, yeah. it was a bizarre, <laughs> bizarre thing. Well, I think uh, that just about wraps up the test series. Um, so leave us your favourite moment of the test series in the YouTube comments. We had and, one uh, question, Ross. We have oh, one do question we? in, and I think we can answer this really quickly. Um, okay. So, Chirag Chatwani asks, uh, do you think if India wins the Test Series and World Test Championship in England and wins the World Cup in, uh, in you know, next year, uh, or the next World Test Championship, sorry, does that put them on par with Australia in the 90s and the West Indies in the 80s? So, we talked on the last show and we said India, or Dan, Dan Weston said, India are a bit like Nadal in that they're the, the specialists in one area and they're, mm. they're probably the greatest ever there. If they go to England and win, does that make them the greatest ever, Ross? Uh, I'm not sure if they just. I'm not sure if it's just winning in England that does it. I think there's almost a sustained period of just demolishing people. I think they're going to have to go through that that next phase as well, just to show actually we are 
the kings of this. And uh, so not just yet, but they've got some great players in that side. So and they're all relatively young anyway, other than a couple of them. So Max, any thoughts? Well I, I would agree with that. I think it's something that has to be done over a slightly longer period, but they appear to currently have the tools and with some of the people we can see coming through, also the potential tools to be able to, to rival that. Great. Um, I think that is time for a break then. Absolutely. Welcome back to the Cricket Podcast, where we will be now delving into the upcoming T20 series between India and England. A little reminder for, for those of you joining us on YouTube to like and subscribe uh, somewhere around <laughs> where Jack is pointing. Um, and apologies to those listening on the podcast for that meaningless segment. I think <laughs> you could do the oh, you could do the shipping forecast, Max. That was that, that was absolutely brilliant. Time absolutely and brilliant. dogger. <laughs> anyway, to the T Twenty cricket, the the slap and slap and giggle, or whatever some people like to call it. Um, I think I think this is going to be brilliant, personally. But um, we're so we've got well, it's a five five game series coming up, starting on the twelfth of March. England and India haven't played T Twenties for a little while. The last game was in July in twenty eighteen, and uh, in the last five games, India have won four. So um, recent, certainly recent form favours them. Uh, and on the back of three fairly convincing wins, we should say, um, in the tests. What do England need to do to to turn things around in the the T20s, Ross? So I think um, first and foremost, the, the reason that England lost all the Test matches is, is clear to me. Um, it's because Sam makes things happen. Curran wasn't playing. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's the clear thing. We, we didn't have anyone to spark anything. So uh, that is the that is the clear bit for me. Um, I think in terms of um, England's white ball side, it's a completely different mentality. I think uh, a lot of tours before you'd go to India, uh, go to um, Australia, go to India, you'd get beaten in the Test matches, and then the same players were playing in the ODIs, and so there wasn't ever that break, and it was always the oh, we've just been absolutely humiliated, um, the confidence is low, etc. I'm not sure that Owen Morgan's kind of uh, white ball army will actually be allowed will allow that to happen. Um, and a couple of those players have just come off the back of um, playing in the BBL, etc., and looking forward to proving themselves in the IPL. So um, I think it's uh, I agree with you, Max. It's going to be one hell of a kind of competition. Jack, do you have anything to add on that point? No. <laughs> well, 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 uh, well surmised then, Ross. Congratulations. Yeah, no, I, 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 uh, <laughs> uh, I think you're right, and it's sort of um, uh, a good example of how England have changed their white ball strategy over the last few years, and they've certainly looked to try and separate that red ball team from the white ball team. So, uh, yeah, arguably enough of them will be uh, will be fresh to the cause, and maybe this is where England's rotation policy does help in that some of the some of the players will have been com- coming back from being at home rather than stuck. Even- in a for us, watching. even for us, right? Even for people who cover cricket or like to think they could try at least attempt to cover cricket, um, we're, we're excited for this. Normally, after a, ball, a, a long tour of just T20 cricket or test matches, we'd just say, "Oh my god, we're, we've got to sit through yeah. more of it." Th- this, I could not be more excited. Yeah, what, uh, what, what, what I will start. 
What I will mm-hmm. say, kind of generally on the point, is that I think England go into this series uh, as the best white ball team in the world by a distance. Um, and I mean that in terms of the playing personnel they have, but also their strategy, um, which are, are, are two things we just spent sort of 40 minutes um, hammering <laughs> them for uh, in, in the Red Different Ball Different sport, isn't it? Test cricket. Yeah, yeah, well, so how they... Well, it is, exactly. That is that is exactly the point. Um, how they turn it around is, is that they play the next five T20s and then the ODIs after that like they are the best bet white ball team in the world and they don't worry too much about uh, what India can and can't do. And they just sort of back themselves. And I think if they do that, they'll probably get a positive result. Yep, that's fair. Um, one thing that is similar between the T20s and the test is that we are still in India and we are, for the most part, still at Ahmedabad. And we can probably expect some turn that the English players might not normally face in T20s. Obviously, a number of the English squad uh, play in the IPL, so they will be a bit more uh, attuned to those surroundings than than maybe some of the test players. But do you think the the spinning conditions will still pose problems for for the England team in the in the T Twenty world? Um, no, I not not to the same extent. So, um, first of all, I'd like to say thank you to India uh, on on this um, to allowing England the opportunity to play five T Twenties against India uh, in India <laughs> in a World, world Cup. Cup. Yeah, in it's, India. it's that that really is a, a big favour, and I think when England win the trophy. In later <laughs> later in the year, um, we'll look back on this as as the start of or, or as the, the the kind of the refinement of the of the team that was going to do that. Um, I think I think the the interesting there'll be two interesting questions here. I, I, like, what is the advantage to India um, making a bunch of spinning tracks for for this series? I mean, it probably does make them more likely to win. But my understanding is that the ICC will oversee. Um, the product, the, the 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 pitch rollout or whatever it is, yeah. uh, when it gets to the actual actual tournament. So even if India can sort of lean on them a little bit, um, it's unlikely we'll see anything ridiculous uh, come September or October or whatever it is. Um, so there's nothing to really be gained um, there, uh, other than winning maybe in the short term, and, and even then maybe not. Um, what I think m- might actually be interesting is is England's spinner situation. Um, so that we've talked about this a little bit before, although it'd be a while ago. England really have kind of like one spinner uh, in in Adil Rashid in T Twenty cricket, and that is not com- what is conventionally accepted as the best strategy to pursue. Most most good T Twenty teams have uh, a, a, like a battery of spinners, at least two, sometimes three. Um, so I think. What we will learn from this series is whether England need to review that, and I think that's the that's the main thing. If I were an England uh, analyst or, or the the coach, that I'd want to learn from this is that can we can we actually win a World Cup in India with just Adil Rashid? No, I think it's a really good point, Jack, and I think um, it'd be quite interesting to see how England use these next five fixtures as well on that front. So I think um, in the build-up to the 50-over World Cup, Owen Morgan didn't really chop and change that much if you look at kind of the lineups that were in play. Here, they actually have an opportunity to do that and I'm not sure they need to give kind of Ben Stokes all five games, Joffrey Archer all five games in these conditions. Like the result of winning this isn't actually that important in the grand scheme of things. It is actually the experience and being able to do so, and the talent should kind of see us through. Um, 
it is good to see the likes of someone like Danny Briggs involved in that. I mean, he's the leading um, wicket taker in the T20 Blast, and he's I think he's one of the reserves in this. Um, Max, in terms of um, some of the other bits on on this tour, um, do you think that England are going to, in terms of selection, do you think we'll mix it up? Will we see the likes of Liam Livingston actually get to play a few games? Or uh, I, I would like to think so because I I think your point is uh, is right about the sort of chopping and changing because it, you know this is the the context of this T20 series is that there is a, a T20 World Cup in India in October this year and England will be looking to work out how to win that and obviously playing the hosts in their in their backyard is probably a pretty good way <laughs> of trying to work out how to do that so. Like you say, we all know that Joffre Archer is going to be in that team. He dominates in the IPL, and he will be in the team, assuming he doesn't get injured. So that's you know that's one thing. And also, um, you know, India are going to be without uh, Bumrah, so you know maybe maybe you don't even need to play Archer to to, to match Jasprit Bumrah. Maybe you want to even things up a bit. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But what the the key thing that we need to do is yeah, it's work out how we're going to set that team up and. I am a little disappointed, like you mentioned Danny Briggs, actually, at some of the players that aren't in the full squad and are just on the reserve list. Because... Yeah, so I think Danny Briggs is actually on standby, so I think I misspoke with that. Right, so, so yeah, so yeah, so not even not even on the reserve list. We've got, um, I think Matt Parkinson is on the reserve list, but again, he's another man that you think, he's got a really good record in, uh, in domestic cricket, so why don't we get a chance to see him? And, um, and yeah, so it's going to be Adil Rashid again playing, and... Will Moeen Ali or Liam Livingston be trusted to to back them up? Um, I think England maybe have missed a trick a little bit on on the selection of the of the squad for the T20s because there are some probably a few answers that we might want to find that we don't we're not asking the <coughs> questions <Tails>. of if <coughs> that makes sense. <laughs> you yeah, got right, Ross, you got you. Yeah. On, on the other hand, on the other hand, like we, we Morgan. Morgan likes his guys, and this is a team yeah. full of Morgan's guys. Um, they won the they won the the the, the big boy World Cup. Um, they've been kind of on like an all conquering tour of the world for about two years. This white ball team. So I don't. I think from an England point of view, we're, we're sort of scratching around the edges a little bit. I mean, like who who is going to open the batting for them? I mean, you you've got a decision there between like Bearstow and Roy. Both of them are pretty good, probably. Um, in the end, yeah. I would <laughs> like... I would caution against opening with Roy in T uh, twenties in India because I assume some opening with spin might happen. <laughs> well, maybe so. Maybe you go with Bairstow. I mean, uh, uh, then you've got Milan, who's the the best T twenty batter in the world according to the ICC. That's not bad. Stokes fits in there somewhere, and he can bowl. Um, that's one of the things you really want from a player yeah. in in T twenty cricket. Uh, someone who can bat in the top six and bowl. But was uh, okay. But Butler, well, he'll be the other opener, won't he? He's he yeah. is good, yeah. Morgan also pretty good. Moeen Ali, um, he was good enough that CSK blew the bank on him. Um, you, yeah, we've seen him play in the IPL and do well. We can go through the whole team, but I, I just don't, I don't really think there are actually any substantial weaknesses there, uh, other than the, maybe the second spinner question, and and they might just answer that by playing Moeen Ali for all five games. Um, who who <laughs> yeah. does offer? Um, a, a different point of attack. What I think is interesting, or more interesting, is what India will do. Because I, yeah. if you look at their squad, and really the 
the the strategy or the thinking behind how India play T20 cricket, um, I don't think it's quite modern enough. Um, and I, I think they get bailed out sometimes by individuals who have like great days out, uh, be that Sharma or sort of recently in Australia, I think Pandi- Hardik Pandya was smacking the ball all over the place, wasn't he? Um, or Jasprit Bumrah. Um, they, so they have players who can kind of bail them out, but I don't think they have such a clear vision about how they are going to win T20 matches or, or 50 over matches even in the way that England does. So England, you know pretty much for sure that every single one of their batters is just going to go ballistic and that's the game plan. Um, bowling wise, there's, you know, there are a few pieces that move around and it's, it's maybe not as clear and they're maybe not as talented, but the, the, the ballistic nature of those batters and the, the depth of that batting lineup and the self-belief, um, means that basically any score is attainable, uh, or any score within reason is attainable. India have players in their team who will play innings that will mean that the team doesn't score as many runs as it could have done. It had Take they it pursued... Deep has they pursued the England idea, which is to just mm-hmm. go ballistic. Um, and I wonder whether they will they will learn something off England for a change. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean they and they've got they've got the players. We know we we've seen the IPL. We know that there are uh, plenty of Indian players who can absolutely fit that mold of going ballistic. So we should um, applaud the Indian selectors for bringing Ishan Kishan into the squad this time. They neglected to do so in Australia, which was uh, an error. But this time, he's in there. So whether we'll, get, whether we'll get to see him or not is another question. I would dearly love to see him play because he's absolutely fantastic. And um, there's also Raul Tuatia, who uh, is still dining out off his uh, barrage <laughs> of sixes in the IPL from last year. Uh, so... Perhaps signs, also with Pant coming back into form, that uh, that India might be able to break out of that that mould that you spoke of, Jack. But, I, but again, I, I don't think you. I think you're right to say it doesn't seem like a, a defined strategy that that's how they're going to play. It's again just a case of will enough of their players who can do it do it to paper over the cracks of say uh, Kohli or KL Rahul just going at one one a ball for for five overs. <laughs> Well, that's that's the thing. I mean, I, I I don't even know whether someone like Ishan Kishan will definitely be in the team. Um, had Ishan if Ishan Kishan was English and had had the IPL, so say say his name's Ian King. Um, had Ian King done what Ishan Kishan had done uh, in the IPL, he would be straight in that England side. Or they'd they they they'd be giving him. There's no chance he wouldn't have been picked for a yeah. series. He'd have at least been in the like in the frame. Of course, um, England. What then? What England would then be doing is going. Well, actually, maybe this Ian King could bat number three for England in tests. Yeah, well, that that that, that could happen. That actually could happen. <laughs> but but he'd be in the T20 side, and and I don't think that clarity of thought around what is a really good T20 batter exists in the India setup at the moment and I think you kind of named one of the guys who's sort of maybe holding that development up and, and it is Virat Kohli who doesn't hit enough boundaries um, I, people are going to be cross about this but we might well, it's just through but it it's, it's factual Did, but yeah look at his IPL boundary percentage in the IPL last yeah, year look at look at the IPL that that is not how to bat in modern day T20 cricket um, <laughs> and if you pursue that strategy uh, and you pick lots of other players who also pursue that strategy. What you're doing is capping like what you can actually achieve as a team. 
Um, Razir Shankishan doesn't they, they, think that way. Yeah, they don't even have the best T20 captain leading the side. No, that's just, that's just a fact. Let's just get that out there, isn't it? Uh, but Max, so I think um, uh, I think I'm very very excited to see it. on the bowling front. Max, they've also picked um, uh, is it Chakravarti in the yep. side? So he, I think he's a he's a good addition, and I think um, Chahar was probably going to cause England a couple of problems. Um, I think in terms of uh, the player I'm most excited to see, it has to be Sky. Like it just has yep. to be him. Like, yep. he, him for Mumbai Indians last year was great. Him and Ishan Kishan batting together is just is a deadly combination. Um, and if you think of just that explosiveness in that lineup, if you had Rohit, Darwan, Kishan, Sky, Pant, that is a, that is an unbelievably explosive top order. Kohli, about a six, mate. It's about a seven. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll we'll see what they do. But I I suspect it will be like KL yeah. or Shikhar Darwan, uh, Kohli. Uh, well, Sharma will obviously be in there, and and I don't know whether that is exactly India's best team. They are all really good players. They are all really yeah. good players, and that you can't get around that. And and clearly, it's in Kohli's locker to score at like 140. But I just I just don't think that he that team play with the reckless abandon that the England team do. Um, do we want to do... Yeah. Uh, we've got a couple of Twitter questions in. Do we want to do them or the predictions first, Max? Let's uh, let's let's start with the predictions and then we'll, we'll mop up the tw- Twitter questions. But yeah, maybe maybe this series could be India's Brendan McCullum moment. As it, as it was for England, perhaps <laughs> Owen Morgan can be the Brendan McCullum that India need to uh, <laughs> to kick things on. So, uh, Ross, why don't you start us off then? How, how do you see this T20 series finishing up? I reckon it'll be three two to England and there'll be a super over in there somewhere. That is that is exactly what I thought. Really? Yeah, a hundred percent nailed on what I thought would happen as well. <laughs> right. I'm I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is to a certain extent. Uh, and I'm gonna say four one. Um Oof. Yeah. I, I, look, I just particularly if you if you take Bumrah out of that team, um you that's a big downgrade. And we uh, the, the the general strategy that India pursue I already think is wrong. Um, and I, I think England will could school them a little bit. Um, so I look forward to people quoting that back at me uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in a couple of weeks' time. It's um, good enough for Michael Vaughan. It's good enough for Jack. <laughs> <laughs> right then. So uh, what what do we have to answer from Twitter, Jack? Um, so Anoop asks, will Rahul Tuacha make a debut? I don't know if either of you have got a view on that. I think he'll play in the last game. Okay, Ross. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with Max on that one. I can't see him getting... I, I think he's pretty low down on the old pecking order. Yeah, if I, you look at that, that I don't see him playing, um, to be honest. Uh, and will Jadeja uh, be missed more in the white ball leg than the test matches, Max? Uh, well, maybe, because uh, <laughs> <'cause> Axel <laughs> Patel did all right, didn't he? <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I think... think I, I don't think you could be uh, missed less in the tests. And that's, yeah. you know, that's not to denigrate Jadeja, that's just how it went. And uh, Galton asks, uh, this is from an England point of view, or, or, or about the England team rather, uh, Roy and Bairstow have ensured rapid starts for England, which has been the bedrock of England's white, recent white ball success. Do you think the duo can replicate that in Indian conditions? Ross? Uh, I don't think Jason Roy should open for England. I, 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 I generally don't don't think he's got the got the pedigree to actually do it. I think um, when he's in recent form, he hasn't looked that convincing. Um, in my opinion, Bearstow and Butler is our best opening pair, and they can certainly do that. Yeah, I think that's what I would say. Max, I think that's I think that's who will play as well. I think Roy's had a pretty bad uh, recent run of games, and I think he will probably start as as second fiddle to to Bearstow. 
cool. Um, like, let us know in the comments what your predictions are so that we can laugh at you if you're wrong um, as well. Uh, and <laughs> otherwise, shall we take a quick break? Welcome back for the segment we know as Cricket News. Um, this is basically where we go through all the stories um, that we wanted to talk about but didn't want to devote sort of 30 minutes of the show to. Um, so let's let's start with possibly the biggest, um, certainly the funniest, um, and, well, definitely the most predictable. Uh, the Pakistani Super League has been called off, Ross. Yeah, it has. It's been uh, <laughs> seven people have been have contracted COVID, um, and unsurprisingly, the competition was letting thousands of fans in. There was um, parties in the hotel. Um, you, you like you like to think that not following scientific advice has uh, caused a bit of a bit of trouble. And unfortunately, what was filling all of our time between the test matches has been cruelly taken away from us. Yeah, it was. Um, it was disappointing to see. Um, we no have more heard... disappointing than for David Gower, whose uh, j- who's foray <laughs> back into commentary has been cut cruelly short. Yeah, we had, I mean, sort of, Ross, as you alluded to, we had heard stories of people, like, going to the bar in the secure bubble, and then there's just a wedding of people <laughs> not in the bubble, also, like, in the bar area of the hotel. Um, so you, you kind of could see it coming. Um Ross, I, I am right that it is completely cancelled now, or is there a possible go no go um, point coming up in the next few days? Uh, I think there's a, I think there's a possible no go, especially like with Pakistani Super League. You never know what's going to happen, which oh, is yeah. the, the best thing about Pakistani cricket. Like we love it because <laughs> of the unpredictability of it. There's, we're not being detrimental to Pakistan at all here. Um, it's just one of those things. I think it was great to have cricket back on, especially as how popular it was getting because of lockdown across the world. Um, and it's just absolutely gutting that it's um, been postponed and yeah, more than likely cancelled. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, like you never know. Um... There's not really much more to say about that. I mean, we finally saw a game where the team batting first won, uh, and that was it. They cancelled the yeah, whole tournament. Yeah, they, had to, yeah, they were just like, we don't want this to happen. <laughs> they, they, this to they obviously happen. knew something must have been up at that point. <laughs> yeah. um, in in other T20 news, um, are we, maybe maybe if we were a bit more global, we'd have devoted more, more of the show to this than we are going to. Um, Pollard, six sixes in and over. Uh, Max, talk about that. Uh, well, six sixes in and over off the bowler who'd just taken a hat trick. Uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's just put that context in there. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's joined the prodigious uh, list of two people. Is it Herschel Gibbs and uh, Yuvraj Singh who've who've achieved that feat in international cricket? So uh, uh, a fine a fine addition to the list, and um, you love to see it, don't you? Six sixes, it's brilliant. But I just, I just love the fact that he'd taken a hat to go from, go from that to the hat trick to six sixes is is quite an achievement. And you have to sort of wonder at the end of that game how how are you how are you feeling about your individual performance? <laughs> where do you um, where do you stand on that, <laughs> Ross? What would you how would you feel had you uh, gone hat tricks to six sixes? I, I genuinely would have given the big I am. Like that final celebration, <laughs> taking the hat trick, I would have been Monty Panasaring around Imran Tahir around the stadium. Um, and then to, to come back from the. You, you're going to be very sheepish, aren't you? You're like very sheepish. And just the nonchalance that Pollard did it with as well, it was like ruthless hitting. And like, yes. I, I've never seen anything quite like it, really. I think the West Indies are shaping up quite well for this T20 World Cup. I mean, they might not. They might not be. They might not be. 
uh, the best team in the tournament. Uh, they've got they've gone for an aging Chris Gale who doesn't seem to be able to do it at the moment. Um, but but he just they, needs they, an IPL to yeah, well that, joints, that yeah, and yeah that that could work. Um, but they they do seem to have, they have some like quite exciting players, um, and they they've taken care of Sri Lanka um, absolutely no problem. Uh, should we move on? Oh, well, just one thing, Max. You might talk about kind of Chris Gale there, but if they come up against England, just wheel him out for that. He'll, he'll take England <laughs> apart. That is the classic Chris Gale move. Um, the other T Twenty series happening in the world at the moment is Australia v New Zealand in New Zealand. Uh, it, after being two 0 down, the Australians managed to bring it back to two two. What happened in the decider, Ross? Uh, Martin Guptill decided to be good again. Uh, he hit some runs earlier in the series, but at a tiny ground, this time at, a quite, at Wellington, a bit of a larger larger stadium. And uh, he was uh, well and truly back to being the Martin Guptill um, we know and love. Uh, Finch, back amongst the runs as well. A um, couple of OK innings, um, but he was uh, he was on the chopping block, really. The Australian media was kind of taking the route of the British media and um, kind of calling for... Is the leadership right within Australia, etc.? So I think um, he's just about earned himself a, a place at leading his country to the World Cup, which is good to see. Um, and also, New Zealand uh, were kind of experimenting as well. Throughout the series, they kind of were bringing in Jimmy Neesham, kind of trying to understand about medium pace bowling in there. Um, they played like three spinners or four spinners in this final game with uh, Mark Chapman, the Hong Kong international um, representing them, uh, bold left arm um, orthodox. So uh, it's good to see that teams are really trying kind of new things ahead of the World Cup. Yep. You know who does need to try some new things ahead of the IPL? Carl Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> RCB. RCB. Oh, is it, is it, was it over 200 runs he conceded in the end? I don't know. It was, it was lots. <laughs> it, it's, it's, ge- genuinely, it was because Matt Wade figured out how to play him. And I don't like Matthew Wade at all. But the, literally, he would bowl back of a leg and Matthew Wade would just jump up and hit him over the top. It was really quite impressive. Uh, anyway, enough of uh, New Zealand Australia. Also in New Zealand then, uh, the England women uh, won 3-0 in the T20 series uh, over their New Zealand-ish counterparts. Um, Max, did you catch any of this? It was on pretty late at night. Uh, no, once once again, uh, I, I was not uh, up in the wee hours watching watching the watching that. Much like uh, the England India series, I was uh, saving that for when I was normally awake. <laughs> um, fair enough. That's that's pretty good for the for the England team, though. Uh, only losing one game away. Um, New Zealand aren't very good, are they, Ross? Uh, well, they've um, I think it's one win in about seventeen games, but their one win was pretty emphatic over England. Um, so well, well done them, and uh, happy International Women's Day for oh, yesterday, I suppose, when uh, this will be released. Uh, India versus England has also been announced as a Test match between um, the women's teams. So Test match cricket actually forwards is they don't really get many opportunities to play. So that's that is a huge huge thing to be announced. Yeah, good to see India getting involved as well. I think that's been a while since they've had a a fixture. Uh, And speaking of fixtures, the IPL fixtures are out. Uh, That starts, I think, on the 9th of April, Ross. It does indeed. And uh, we'll be doing a bit of a preview going through it um, because they've actually done something a little bit clever with the um, scheduling. So uh, there's something around um, teams not playing home games and there's a, they've, they've tried to balance it out in terms of um, the different things. So if you saw IPL 20, when was it Sharjah was the tiny ground? Yeah. yeah. Like so, some teams garden. got to play yeah, more games than then and they've tried to balance it out with uh, different teams moving around. So, um, yeah. Am I right in saying that there's three legs? So there's like... Uh... 
on a, is it a South India leg uh, in in Chennai, and then another one up in like Mumbai, maybe Pune. Uh, like I, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't look at it exactly, but it's, it's something like that, isn't it, Ross? Yeah, it is, and uh, I think it, it proves to it proves again that the IPL, when it comes to organising things and kind of actually being, I don't know, just smart in their kind of cricketing decisions in terms of the IPL when when the kind of franchise is involved um, is, is is on point. So we look forward to some high quality cricket and all of the naysayers that our listeners may be seeing on Twitter at the moment. Oh, IPL is ruining Test cricket. Just get on board, mate. The IPL is incredible. <laughs> um, final thing, and uh, it is the last, last bit of Test cricket um, of the week. Uh, Zimbabwe beat Afghanistan um, in another two-day match, actually. Uh, that was good. that's the end of uh, this week's episode of the cricket podcast ross have we got any more messages for our listeners yep like and subscribe and leave some comments jack will respond especially if you wish him happy birthday so happy birthday jack Um, (laughs) and follow us on instagram and twitter at the cricket podcast cool uh max have you got any messages uh oh happy birthday is that what you wanted no no i just thought you might have had some messages uh thank you very much for listening we'll be back um after friday's fixture in the t20 for for a little recap of that uh and i yeah i'm looking forward to it